Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hello, Tech fans, and welcome into episode 152 of the Tech Sideline podcast, originating from TSL's High Tech Studios in the Virginia Tech Corporate Research Center. On Saturday, will the Hokies be able to snap a two-game losing streak against the Pitt Panthers? We tackle that question on episode 152 of the Tech Sideline podcast that gets started right now. Whether you are watching live or archived on YouTube, listening on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Amazon Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or on Stitcher, we are so glad that you could join us today as we record on Thursday, November 19th. We have our managing editor, Chris Coleman, with us on the podcast set, our founder and general manager, Will Stewart. I said woot woot. (laughs) Oh, woot woot for the best podcast producer in the land behind the scenes, Malcolm Stewart. And I'm your podcast host, Evan Hughes. Great to have you with us. You're watching live on YouTube. We're going to have some extra time today, we think, to get to your questions on YouTube. So if you have a question or comment for Chris and Will, we will get to them at the end of the show. Feel free to drop those throughout today's episode. Uh, Great to have you with us. We've got a lot to get into today as we will analyze Pittsburgh and Virginia Tech, two, four, and four teams. This week and every week, the Tech Sideline Podcast is presented by the Fisher Law Firm, Virginia's trusted DUI and traffic defense firm, dedicated to defending individuals charged with traffic-related offenses. The Fisher Law Firm handles cases throughout the Commonwealth of Virginia. To date, the firm has defended tens of thousands of people charged with moving violations. For free consultation, call anytime, day or evening, toll-free. The number is 1-800-680-7031. That's 1-800-680-7031, or email the Fisher Law Firm at info at fisherlegal.com. Great to be back with you guys a week out from Thanksgiving. It's about to be crossover season here at Tech Sideline. Men's basketball, football continuing on. It's the most wonderful time of the year. <laughs> yeah, uh, Jake Lyman actually texted me a little while ago. They were having media opportunities for all the ACC coaches today, and apparently uh, there were technical difficulties with Mike Young's part of it, and uh, he only got to answer two questions before, I guess, the feed went out. And, huh. and he said, actually, kind of the whole thing was kind of a mess, like the other, <laughs> the other coaches too, so go ACC. <laughs> I'm getting so fatigued by this, the, 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 this whole – This is why we spent $10 million on ACC <laughs> network facilities, buddy. So we we can all do Zoom calls. What a great league. So if, if you don't if you didn't see this on Twitter the other day, they, they did their show, their basketball show, <clears throat> the other night on the ACC network. And it was uh, what they would do is they would um, they would bring in three coaches on Zoom, not Zoom, but you know they've they've got so they'd have three coaches' heads, and they were all in their 
respective, you know, ACC network studio setups at their schools. And you need to go look at my Twitter feed and scroll down a little bit because when Jim Beheim came on, the Syracuse backdrop was orange. He was wearing an orange shirt, the exact same shade. And it looked like he was green screening. His his head was like floating in the middle of the screen. <laughs> so so I took a picture of him, put it on my Twitter feed, and made some joke about the disembodied head of uh, Jim Beheim. So take a look at that. It's Will's pretty at Will Stewart TSL. Chris is on Twitter at Chris Coleman TSL. Um, Will, you are wearing a snazzy-looking long-sleeve shirt today. You just changed your shoes, by the way, before the podcast started because Will is styling and profiling on the podcast set for those watching Will, that is a shirt from Campus Emporium. Uh, tell our listeners who can't see it what you're wearing right now. It is a 100% cotton long sleeve Virginia Tech t-shirt, just the staple of anybody's cool weather wardrobe, basic tee from Champion, on sale for $19.98, so it's a few bucks off. So uh, if you go to uh, Tech Sideline right now, well, first of all, we'll put a link in the YouTube video. And oh, by the way, click like and subscribe on this video. I'll give you a second to do that right now. You done? Okay. And <laughs> so if, we'll also drop the link for this shirt down in the uh, um, in the uh, description of the YouTube video, and it's it's all over the website. So uh, um, that is this week's featured item from Campus Emporium. Yep. All right. Well, let's go ahead and dive right into it. As I said earlier, two four and four teams. Virginia Tech going to Pittsburgh on Saturday, playing at Heinz Field, a place that has not been good to Virginia Tech in recent memory uh, for a long time. It's One kind of been... out of the last six. So we will talk about Pittsburgh's defense. We'll talk about their offense. We'll talk about Chris's game preview, which is up on TechSideline.com that features many pictures of Coach Pat Narduzzi <laughs> that Will is very proud that of. That is fine. Yes, if you, if you want to chuckle. It's kind of hard to chuckle when you're 4-4 four and four and you've lost two in a row, but if you want to chuckle, just go to our game preview and just scroll down and look at the pictures. <laughs> He's very photogenic. <laughs> Did you use the one with uh, Kevin Sherman sitting there oh, looking yeah, at Kevin, him like, what so in the, the world? The very top picture is from, I believe that's from, it's the 2016 game up in one. Pittsburgh because uh, our photographer, Ivan, Russian Hokey, travels to almost all of the road games. So, yeah, he was up there in Pittsburgh taking pictures. And Kevin Sherman, who used to coach at Virginia Tech, was on the staff at Pitt at the time. And there is a... There's a picture that I would took of, of Pat Narduzzi doing his Pat Narduzzi thing, just screaming. And Kevin Sherman's standing in the background just looking at him like, dang, coach. It's hilarious. That's a top picture in the uh, preview. Again, that's on TechSideline.com. A lot of great stats, a lot of good info on Pitt's defense, Pitt's offense. Also predictions from Will and Chris in the article, which we'll also get to at the end of the podcast. But I want to begin uh, today's episode of the Tech Sideline podcast uh, by – uh, discussing media availability from earlier in the week. Justin Fuente typically speaks on Mondays, and then a couple of players speak on Tuesdays. And on Tuesday, linebacker Dax Hollyfield spoke to the media. Of course, he's coming off of, as Chris said in our last podcast, arguably the best game of his career, right. Right. in which he led the team in tackles in the loss against Miami on Saturday. He said that the Hokies' defense went back a little bit to Bud Foster's scheme with Justin Hamilton's scheme mixed in on Saturday. Chris, I'll start with you. What should we make of that decision? Uh, you know, it was a good one. They got away from all the zone concepts. Not that they didn't run zone, but they mixed it up. They played more man coverage than they had in the past. Uh, you know, you, I don't think there's much they can do to change what they're doing up front. I mean, it's easy to change in the secondary. Um, but up front is where the new techniques and – the new style of play 
is is really uh, different, and you just can't change that on a dime. But but, and nor should you, because you're trying to move in a different direction there, um, to recruit a different style of player. But in the back end, yeah, I mean, you, you can you can change up your coverages a little more than they had been, and it's one of those situations where you're trying to teach something, and it just never takes right. And eventually you pull the plug. Like you're teaching all this zone coverage, and you're expecting you're expecting at some point the light bulb to come on, and it just never came on for these guys. So they switch back to more man to man. They'll have a better opportunity in the spring if there is spring practice to to get better at, at those zone concepts. But uh, right now, I think it was better to mix in some more man to man and. Probably not a coincidence that like Breon Murray played his best game of the season. Yeah, that's right. It seemed to help really help him. Yeah, and and some some listeners might not be aware of this. Uh, those that that have followed us for a long time and followed college football for a long time know this. You know, the the time for learning is in primarily in the spring and in the first week or two of of fall practice. Once you get into a season like this, they are game planning and repping. They are not pulling the young guys aside and teaching them technique and scheme and things like that. It's just boom, 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 go, go, go. So uh, they, you know, as, as we've covered many times, they didn't get a chance to really install the scheme in the spring. So they're probably trying to do some of it while they're also prepping for games with all guys being out. And, and so that that's gives you a little background on Chris's comment. A couple of other comments that were made earlier in the week. Uh, Justin Fuente on Monday announced that defensive end Zion DeBose and linebacker Keyshawn Artis have opted out for the remainder of the season. Is this something that you think we might see a lot more of, not just with Virginia Tech, but college football as a whole for the rest of the season? Players opting out given that they get an extra year of eligibility? Guys, they see the finish line and maybe their team's not competing for Is a your team in contention anymore. Yeah. They're just sick and tired of taking three COVID tests a week, and they're just going to be like, nah, I'm done. So, yeah, so, Pitt yeah. lost uh, Paris Ford to an opt-out. Very good safety. Um, UVA lost uh, Jawan Briggs. Is that his name? Defensive tackle? Mm-hmm. Go ahead and Google it. Uh, you guys didn't hear about that? He's, he's starting defensive tackle. Very, very highly rated guy coming out of uh, high school, and I believe that he has opted out. Um, um, and one thing – it's going to be interesting to watch. How many guys who opt out return to their teams? Yeah. Um, it depends on the culture in the locker room, I think. Like, uh, if you opt out and then you try to return, some teammates aren't going to like that. They're going to feel like you quit on the team. Yeah, right? That's right. Real quick, Briggs well, announced he's entering the transfer portal. Entering the, oh, wow. So that's a big-time opt-out. That's he, opting out he, he, was the, he was their four-star defensive tackle recruit that I didn't think was any good. Was that good? But I think he'd started every game for him. He was, he was playing uh, yeah. for him. Led the team know. in sacks after starting all seven games this season. No so problem. that's, a, that's a big loss there for you. Yeah, so, and that's strange timing, too. And and I think Bronco Mendenhall was um, caught off guard by that. He said he didn't see it coming. Hmm. Um, some of this stuff you see coming. Like, oh, yeah. Uh, like, our artists, I can't speak for DeBose, but I'm pretty sure Artis is not coming back. Um, I think that he's been told that uh, he's not going to – and, and – and the season so far bears this out that he's not going to see playing time at linebacker. Yeah, he's, like the, he's been playing on the NC State game when Tech was blowing out NC State and they brought in the backups on defense. They actually brought in Dean Ferguson and Mike instead of uh, instead of Keyshawn instead Artis. of Artis. Yeah, so yeah, I think the writing on the wall is there. 
Yeah. So I don't think you'll see him back, which is a shame because by all accounts, he's a great kid and his mom's great on oh, Twitter. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're, they're fantastic. Just yeah. just not quite good enough for defense here. Been a really I good guess. special team. You, know, you, you never know when. You, you never know. I, uh, I had it. But the last year I played football in ninth grade, our, our coach hated me. I don't know why. You know, um, sometimes that stuff happens. And is Debose one of those smaller defensive ends who you wonder? Hey, wait a minute. I'm, I'm going to be clear. I'm not saying that they hate Keyshawn Artis. <laughs> <laughs> I left that out there, and I'm like, whoa, dude, that sounds really bad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, well, it's, it's just some coaches see something in a player that others don't sometimes. That's what I meant. Yeah, some coaches prefer <laughs> certain players. I don't know. I mean, uh, we don't even know how long Tracy Clays will be here. So I could very well have a new linebackers coach next year that might like Keyshawn Artis better if he's still. All I know is back. Coach Brian Benford did not like me. So. <laughs> uh, back to Debose real quick because we've talked about on many podcasts how with uh, Bill Tierlink and with Daryl Tapp they're going after taller, uh, mm-hmm. lengthier defensive linemen. Is Debose one of those uh, guys who might fit the previous uh, scheme? I, th- I think Debose is six one. I was about to ask you, and then number I thirteen. I, I think Chris. Right. Yeah. Uh, Six one two forty five. You know, so you'd prefer him to be a little taller, but at the same time, I think he's a good enough player, or he could have been a good enough player. Um, his his senior season in high school was really really impressive, and uh, like I, Charlie Wiles thought he was going to come in and play as a true freshman in mm. like twenty seventeen. Wow! Uh, I thought I thought he was a great prospect. Uh, didn't play quite as well early in his career that people thought he would, but then he ripped his Achilles before last season, which set back whatever progress. I thought he played okay this year. Um, he'd had 68 snaps on defense. Uh, he was playing some. Whatever snaps Eli Adams got this past week, I think it was like 12 or 14. They would have been good. They they would have been given to to Debose, so he would have had over 100 snaps this year by the end of the season on defense and been competing for a spot in the 2 deep heading into next spring so we'll see where that that puts things numbers for DeBose against NC State he actually had four tackles one tackle for loss and then played against BC Louisville and uh Louisville and Liberty then they did not play against Miami so Mm. that was some of the news and notes this week from the media availability from coach Justin Fuente and the players on Monday and Tuesday all right with that let's transition into our game preview the four and four Pitt Panthers, the four and four Virginia Tech Hokies on Saturday at Heinz Field, four o'clock kick on the ACC Network. Two teams that got off to hot starts this year. The Pitt Panthers started off three and zero before losing two one point games. They're now four and four. Their quarterback Kenny Pickett had been banged up throughout the season. He should be hundred percent on Saturday. And the Hokies are trying to avoid a three game losing streak. Chris, I feel like under Pat Narduzzi, Hokie fans have this idea of Pitt, right? Good defense, subpar offense. Does that fit the mold for this 2020 Pitt team? You know, historically, Pitt's one of those teams that's like strong defense and they run the ball really, really, really well. Well, they still have the strong defense, but like the last couple of years, their offense has flipped the script. They've been they've gone from a strong running team to a team that focuses on the past and mm-hmm. or on the pass and <laughs> focuses on the on past. The past. <laughs> uh, I think there's a couple of reasons for that, and I think one of them is the fact that they've got Kenny Pickett at quarterback, and he's a good player. Who's yeah, he's a pretty get, good player. He's going to get drafted. And the second reason for that is they're just don't they don't have the talent at running back and offensive line that they used that they used to i mean they are not a good running team uh their leading rusher averages three yards a carry they're 3.0 3.0 and their second leading rusher is at 4.0 those two guys have combined for 
453 yards and four touchdowns this year on 139 carries. So they just can't get any production from their running game. So they throw the ball more, which makes sense. I mean, you try to play to the strengths that you have and avoid your weaknesses as a coach. So that's their best bet right now. Um, I, I don't, it's kind of odd that like that Pitt's talent level dropped down on the offensive line and at running back. Uh, you know, Pitt's it's not a program that it's ever going to like recruit consistently. Um, but as our most that's the true at most mid-level programs mm-hmm. these days. I mean, when, when you rely on three-star recruits all the time, sometimes you just never know what you're going to get. But. So so I don't know if this is a factor because I don't study Pitt and Penn State recruiting closely. But, you know, if you look at where Pitt is right now on offense, is that the result of James Franklin's arrival at Penn State? Right. You know, did something happen in recruiting that, that is – Caused a downturn in the pit did, offensive did, side. Yeah, did he come into Western Pennsylvania and take any of those guys that Pitt would normally get? Yeah, that's right. Well, let me ask you this: You look at this Pitt team again. They started off strong, three and zero. Many mm-hmm. thought this would be a top five team potentially in the ACC. They've battled injury. They've lost a couple of close games. From a Virginia Tech standpoint, does this game give, give me a give me a word that kind of describes how you feel about this game? Does it make you nervous? Do they scare you? Like, what about Pitt stands out to you from a 10,000-foot perspective. Man, I don't know that I can put one word on it. I, I just know that Virginia Tech has had some brutal games up in Pittsburgh. Uh, so let me see. I just pulled it up on my phone. So if you go back a little bit, you remember the 2001 game. I don't, I don't know what Tech was ranked. But Tech was highly ranked, you know, good good football team. They had just lost to Syracuse the week before Tech had. That was their really? first loss. Oh, season. yeah, yeah, yeah. They, so they, so they still would have been top they 10. They started probably. out 6-0 and or something yeah. like that, and Syracuse with Lost Dwight to Syracuse Fre- in the lollipop game. Yeah, with, with Dwight Freeney uh, having <laughs> 17 sacks or whatever it was. <laughs> then they go up to Pitt, and you're like, oh, they're going to be mad and bounce back. Well, Pitt stunk that year, remember? They oh, were, yeah, yeah. They went. They were like 3-5 like, and five or something yeah, like yeah. that, and they stomped Tech. Yeah. Beat them 38-7. to so, and it, Tech's only touchdown was like a blocked field goal. Right, Ronnie Whitaker. Otherwise, like the shutout streak would have ended in 2001. So when you talk about that streak where Tech is like has the third longest streak in the country of games in which they've scored consecutive games, it's somewhere on, on OxVT's Twitter feed. He, he updates it fairly often. Um, there, there are games I think about where the Tech almost lost that streak. Mm-hmm. One of them was obvious the Wake Forest game that went to overtime where Tech didn't score till overtime. <laughs> One of them's this one. Yeah. The offense did not score that day. Yeah. And another one is that Miami game where Tech lost thirty to six, and Mark Leal threw a, yeah. a touchdown pass Ford, right? to freshman wide receiver Isaiah Ford with like thirty seconds to go in the game to preserve the streak. So anyway, back to the topic. There've just been some brutal games up there. There's that one. There's the fifty-two to twenty-two game from twenty eighteen. I ran the numbers, and Tech has lost five of their last six up there. And uh, I I put it in the article. It's they've been outscored something like like two thirty nine to one twenty something, you know. And and you go back to the one game Tech won the thirty nine thirty six win in twenty sixteen. Boy, they had to scratch and claw their way to that one. So I don't have one word. I don't want to use the word scared. <laughs> if there's one word that describes your stomach, just going. Ugh. Um, then that's I would say word. ugh. That, that would be the word <laughs> to describe it. I mean, I hate playing. Uh, it's there. not a real word, but it's one of those things. Is like if Tech wins, nobody's going to care because people perceive Virginia Tech as a better program than Pitt <laughs> with better players than Pitt. But if we lose, everybody's going to be angry, right? It, yeah. It's 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 started to become a great rivalry at the end of the '90s when uh, 
Walt Harris, Walt was Harris. coaching at Pitt. And, and he had he had a team that most years was mediocre, mm-hmm. but they were built to beat Virginia Tech. Yeah. I'm not saying that was his that was his philosophy. I'm going to beat Virginia Tech, but that's the way his team was built. They were an awful matchup year yeah. after year. Back then, Tech would blitz so much and leave their DBs on an island. And Walt Harris came into pit and started max protecting for his quarterback and just sending and just his receivers it. out deep, and chucking it. I started recruiting guys like Larry Fitzgerald, and, and who was that guy who played for the Cowboys for so long? There was a guy, Antonio something. Uh, uh, yeah, I uh, forget. Antonio Bryant, I think was yeah, his Yeah, 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 Bryant, Bryant. Um, but they seem to They've be had getting, a bunch of guys like that. Um, I, I can't, so you think you think of Larry Fitzgerald. He goes so far back, and he's still playing in the NFL. I'm thinking, I'm, you know, I'm thinking about like that 1999 game in Pittsburgh, the year Tech uh, went to the national championship. They won that game 30-17. to 17. They didn't play all that well. They gave up a bunch of passing yards. Over 400 yards To David Priestley. There's a funny story about that game. Is, uh, for, the Tech's defensive back coach was uh, Whammy Ward at the time. And uh, they're, they're, they get on the plane to fly back to Roanoke after the game. And Tech had given up a bunch of passing yards. And he asked the stewardess how many miles to Blacksburg it was. And she said something like 500 miles or something. And another assistant coach said, dang, whammy, that's about how many uh, miles pit through on your secondary tonight <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> and, and, and tech had 10 sacks that game. Yeah. And, and pit still threw forever. That, that was runs. an entertaining game. Very yeah. entertaining game. And, and I never felt threatened. I thought tech was right. Gonna win. Right. It was just one of those things. It's like, like uh, hey, it's Pitt's, not our best Pitt's effort. Again. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if, if that was at the point in the season, kind of late in the season where like most of tech's big games are in the rear view mirror. And at that point you're just like, okay, we're going undefeated. Just get to the <laughs> end of the season so we can start celebrating. Right. <laughs> so I actually went to that game. It's the only game I've ever been to at Pitt. And that was in the old Pittsburgh stadium. And, uh, you know, it, it was it was an interesting place. Underneath the stands was, you know, it's been twenty years. I don't remember clearly. I just remember thinking, "Wow, it's like uh, dirt back here. For, There's like know, nothing going on back here." From doing the 1995 series uh, over the summer, and I was did put a ton of research into that series. And Pitt spent something something crazy like seven million in, in renovations for like new locker rooms and stuff, and and redid a lot of things in that stadium. Really, and then six years later, and that was an insane amount of money for back then, yeah, for an athletic department. And then six years later, they just abandoned the stadium and moved into the Heinz Field. Uh, so it's almost like they just completely wasted that money. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's a lot of history between Pitt and uh, Virginia Tech, even recently too. Remember back in 2016, Justin Fuente's first game against Pittsburgh as the coach of the Hokies, that 39-36 win for the Hokies. Win, as Chris points out in his article. <clears throat> Pitt stubbornly, I believe was the word that you used, continued to uh, to use man coverage. And Bucky yeah. Hodges and Isaiah Ford and Cam Phillips had a big day, uh, all three of them. Of course, the goal line stand a couple of years ago as well. And then last year, uh, a goose egg put on the board by Pitt's offense in Lane Stadium. Remember the uh, player went in the O of the Hokies and started kicking up some turf wow. before the game. Yeah. And so, anyways, you know. It's, it's good, man. You need nasty rivalries. Absolutely. And, you know, we'll talk about this a little bit later, but, you know, I, th- I feel like Virginia Tech's fan base, and there's already some comments about this, um, there's not a coach they dislike more than Pat Narduzzi. <laughs> and we'll get to that a little bit later. But let's go ahead and do our preview. Typically, I like to start with the offense. But today we're going to start with the defense <laughs> because I'm going to ask Will this question right off the bat before we get into the defensive line and just how good this defense is. 
<laughs> Fill in the blank for me, Will. This is the best defense Virginia Tech will go up against since blank. <laughs> I don't wow. answer. Uh, Chris, Chris is since... better at this kind of stuff than me. I, th- I think it's probably the best defense all year. Well, I don't know how good Clemson is, but uh, it's it's the best defense Virginia Tech has faced since Pitt last year, in my opinion. All right then, um, and they they just they stop the run really well. So so the the average yards. Uh, let, let me let me look up the stat. Uh, give me a second here to find it. Uh, you guys, go ahead, go ahead and talk. There's a, there's a particular stat I want to find. <laughs> He's a particular well, while they talk about the stat, Chris, let's talk about this defensive line. Mm. And I want to start with defensive end Patrick Jones the second, Somebody who the Hokies recruited, tried to get to Blacksburg. He ends up going to Pittsburgh. You think he could go as early as the second round That's of the 2021 NFL yeah. draft. Just how good is he? We, you know, the Hokies are coming off of playing – Jalen Phillips and Quincy Roche, two star defensive ends for Miami. I mean, what do you see comparisons well, to them you, last week? You can. There's some comparisons you can make. Uh, like Patrick Jones, a second. He's bigger than Roche. 6'5, 260. Gosh, he'd be a perfect fit for Bill Terrell and Daryl Tapp in the system they want. Yes, he would. He's a redshirt senior. As yeah. Well. Uh, anyway, yeah. He got offered by, he was class of 2016, which was that, which was Frank's. Last recruiting class. You ever hear the expression, it's all about the timing? It's all about the timing. Yeah. uh, So Virginia Tech offered him. uh, And the timing was something. Like, he visited in October, like when Frank Beamer was still coaching. But Frank Beamer had already announced his retirement. So it's like Patrick Jones comes in, takes a visit. Okay, I like Tech, but I have no idea who the coach is going to be. I think Frank announced his retirement in very early November of that year. It might, it might have been. Right, so right. if he was there, it hadn't been announced it, it yet. It hadn't been announced yet. I th- yeah, you're probably right. It was the bye week, whenever the bye week was that year. Um, but at any rate, on November 22nd, Jones announces that he's going to announce his decision in like a week or something like that. And... Virginia Tech then hires Justin Fuente like a week later, and then like two days later, Patrick Jones, who had already made up his mind, announced he was going to Pitt. Yeah. yeah. So, well, you, so you, I remember this, Chris, because you talked about him visiting during the bye week. Um, or no, he—I don't know when he—he he visited in October. Frank yeah. Beamer announced his retirement during the bye week. At any rate, he That's visited. Right. He visited a, at least five or six weeks before Justin Fuente was hired. And then he actually, he announced his decision date like a week before Justin Fuente was hired, which means he knew where he wanted to go before. Yeah. yeah. yeah so Tech so, never really got a chance. Yeah. So he, he never, uh, he wasn't patient. Like he just, he, he already made that decision. And, uh, you know, maybe if, maybe if he hadn't taken his visit, already taken his visit in October, and Fuente could have come in and said, yo, we really want you to take an official visit in January before you make a final decision. Right. It would have worked out. But they, he had already taken his he visit. He had already taken right? it. Okay. So oh. to me, it almost seems like that wasn't great strategy. Like any defensive recruit, maybe, or gosh, any recruit in general, like it's like they were going to, you want them to come in and experience the game and get an idea for you know, the game day atmosphere and everything like that. But at the same time, they're coming in and meeting coaches that aren't really going to be there. So wouldn't it have been better to save those official visits for after the new staff was hired? It almost seems seem, would have seemed like a waste to have them come in and meet Frank Beamer and Scott Leffler. And, I know, and, and all and all of that. Yeah, 
So, like I said, transitions are very, very difficult to manage. So we talked about last week the preview for Miami and Virginia Tech that if you want a matchup to watch, we highlighted the defensive ends against Virginia Tech's defensive uh, offensive tackles and Luke Tenuta and Christian Darisaw. So going through these numbers here, Rashad Weaver, who is opposite of Jones II on the defensive line, is the top-graded edge defender in the ACC right in front of Miami's one-two punch of Phillips and, and Roche. Roche. Yeah. So, looks like Tenuta, who struggled last week against Phillips, but Darisaw, who did well against uh, Quincy Roche. Will, you think this game could come down again to the trenches, kind of like it did last week? And, and I think somewhere mentioned in, the, in this data we have is that uh, um, Miami didn't really move their guys around. Phillips was over Tenuta mm-hmm. all day long, but I think that Pitt will move their defensive Pitt ends knows. back and forth. Uh, it probably depends. on They probably run like a Short side, wide side. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. yeah. So Let me here, get some numbers on Weaver real quick, too. 40 pressures on the season. That's first. His win rate, 22.5%, is also first. And his pressure rate, 18%, is second. So here is the statistic to, to back out and look at the defense as a whole for a second. Here's the statistic that, that, that I was trying to look up. Pitt averages minus two yards before contact in the run game. Meaning, on average, they're making contact with a ball carrier behind the line of scrimmage. And that should read Pitt's opponent's average. Well, yeah. Two. yeah. yeah. Uh, yes, so let's be clear about that. We're talking about the Pitt defense and what they do to other offenses. They generally hit the ball carrier 0.2 yards behind the line of scrimmage, <laughs> on average. Yeah. All right? And let's see. Uh, they're the only team in FBS that is doing that. A negative, negative yards before. And there was only like four teams. Seven other teams below one yard out of 130, FB, or roughly 130 FBS teams. So that they generate QB pressure on 42.7% of dropbacks, tops in the ACC, and fourth in FBS. Yeah. And if you think you can, okay, if you're thinking right now, well, the defensive ends are good, how about you run in between the guards, run up the middle? As nope. Lee Corso would say, <laughs> not, not, not so, so fast, fast my friend. Here's some numbers about Kalijah Cansey and Devin Danielson. They rank second and fourth among ACC defensive interior players in overall grades. Uh, they're second and third in pro football focus run defense grade. Cansey has a run stop rate of 13.3%. That is the highest in the ACC. So it's not just the ends, kind of like Miami. All right. I mean, the whole defensive line might be the best that Virginia Tech will face all season. I think so, and and, yeah. and and in reading through the description of this defense, uh, and and I didn't have the time to really drill down, but the question that comes to mind is, how are you four and four with a defense <laughs> that is this good? But there's certainly something that's missing, and 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 even the the offense isn't that great. But you look at some of Frank Beamer's ten win teams; they had defenses like this and terrible offenses. Pitt has a defense like this and an offense that can do some stuff. I just now they've lost some close games. They have, yeah. Um, but at the same time, like they they give up. Consider, consider they like rank in the top ten in total defense, and the, all their stats are impressive. They give up thirty plus points more often than you would think. Right. Right. Um, and maybe it's just the modern era of offenses. I, yeah, I don't maybe. Know. Um, like. Tech's offense played really well against Pitt, this Pitt defense last year. Last year, yeah. Oh, now uh, there was a defensive touchdown in there, um, but Tech won that game twenty-eight to nothing. Scored three offensive touchdowns, starting three freshmen on the offensive yeah, line. Yeah. Um, a sophomore quarterback, 
not a big threat in the running game. Uh, you know, I think Tech had over 200 yards of offense at halftime, and that game was pouring down rain, and then Tech just sat on the ball in the second half, <laughs> right? Because uh, they didn't do they didn't need to do anything else except not screw up. Right. I think they were already up 21 nothing at that point. So that was, considering the competition and considering the weather, that was maybe Tech's best offensive game last season. So before everybody goes out there and says, oh my gosh, what are the Hokies going to do? Remember that they did play well against this pit defense last year, and against the pit defense that was uh, you know more full strength because Pitt has had two huge opt outs on defense. Their best defensive tackle opted out before the season. He's an NFL guy. And Paris Ford, and then Paris mm-hmm. Ford, who's an NFL guy. You know, safety. maybe safety. a low end first round pick. High yeah, yeah, strong pick. safety. You can make the argument. Yeah. I think Paris Ford might be the best defensive player yeah. on that team that he's playing. Right, right. You you could make that argument, and so the. So this pit defense isn't as strong, in my opinion, as the one that Tech faced last year. You know, you never know. Uh, um, let's see. Um, let's see. Twenty sixteen, twenty seventeen. Tech just had all kinds of problems. Um, excuse me. Twenty eighteen. I mean, uh, I just wonder. Somebody said on the boards. I don't remember the game very clearly. Somebody said on the boards that was Cornelson's best play calling game of the year. Which game? Last, last year. year. Pit last year. Oh, it was the ultimate smoke and mirrors. Yeah. Yeah. Ultimate smoking. I remember, God, I remember a throwback pass to Tavion Robinson, and he broke a tackle, and he took it all the way down to like the half yard line, and got tackled there, and somebody up. else ran. Somebody it else in. gets yeah. the score. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, they played a really Tech played a really really good game. Yes, hmm. for sure. A couple other notes on Pitt linebacking core: Cam Bright and Servasier Dennis rank in the top ten graded ACC linebackers, and then uh, their corners uh, in Marquise Williams and Jason Pinnock. I mean, again, there's no real weak spots, it feels like, Will, uh, yeah, in this so, defense. So when we, when we studied Miami last week, their, their defensive tackles weren't that great. The linebackers really weren't good. And yet they still had a really good day against Virginia Tech's offense, and this is a better defense. <laughs> well, remember um, Miami's senior linebacker was out last week, so maybe it was – and he had been horrible all uh-huh. year. <laughs> so it might have actually been better to go to the backup, but I don't know. I want to talk a little bit more about the Cornelson thing and, okay. and how this was – one of his best games that he called last year. And that just goes back to Virginia Tech got up. They scored first, and then Pitt fumbled, and Tech ran it back for a touchdown, and Tech was up 14-0. And at that point, it's pouring down rain. You're going up against a team that can't run the ball. All they can do is throw it, and it's pouring down rain. So at this point, Pitt, like Virginia Tech was going to be a run-heavy team the rest of the game, and Pitt knew it. And when Cornelson's offense is ahead – and you can be run heavy. That's when those smoke and mirrors passing plays really start. Those to misdirection work. passing right. plays. Right. I mean, it was just the perfect end, situation. Screens. Right. 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 So, look, the same thing could if Tech gets up in this game. If like Tech got up fourteen nothing in this game, the same thing could happen this weekend. But if they get down ten nothing or fourteen nothing, then it's <laughs> over. It's going to be the other way around. Yeah. So, Will, this yes. is a question for you. Pitt allows just ten point one percent of runs to go for ten plus yards. And 11% of passes to go for 15-plus yards. My question to you, based off those stats, is are you worried about Virginia Tech being able to run the football effectively on Saturday? Yes, I am. Uh, you know, I, I think we all felt early in the year that Tech's uh, offensive line was indestructible. And then we saw what Jalen Phillips did to Luke Tenuta. Um, and I wrote in my Monday article, you know, before I started about the writing about the Tech offense, I wrote about Jalen Phillips, and I said the first thing you need to do is understand how how 
dominant Phillips was. And uh, Malcolm will like this story. I, I told this story about uh, when Malcolm was a kid playing coach pitch baseball. He was a stud. Sure. You know, bat, batted 900, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> um, he played on it. I helped coach. Uh, I, I wasn't a big time helper. I had a coach, but I did help that year. And they had a kid at shortstop named Mitch. And, and Mitch controlled that entire side of the field. If you hit a grounder, he got it. If you hit something that was shallow outfield, he got it. He controlled the entire game from that side of the field defensively. And that's what Jalen Phillips did. And, and, and you go back and, like, there was a Jalen Holston was able to get around Phillips on one run and get a good gain, but there was another Khalil Herbert run later, that outside zone stretch stuff. And Phillips just blows up that side of, of, of the of the offensive line, and it makes it very difficult to run the football. So I don't even remember what the question was. Just the fact, given these numbers were thrown out, and it seems like Pitt's defense sells out the stop. Yes, the run, I am Chris worried said. about. Are you worried about, especially if Khalil absolutely. Herbert is not back to 100%? Which I, you know, I, I fear he won't be. Uh, we, don't, we don't know what James Mitchell's situation is going to be. I'm very concerned about running the football because of what we saw last weekend. Yeah, and I actually want to uh, use the Jalen Phillips example to go on a little bit of a tangent on one of the right. next players. So Jalen Phillips, I believe, was listed at 6'5", 264, uh, if I remember correctly from last week. So he's one of those long-arm, rangy guys. And 264 is probably a good weight for him. He's extremely athletic, and he gets up to 264, and it adds to his strength without taking away from his athleticism. I fully believe Amari Barno can be as good as a guy like Jalen Phillips if he's 264, right? So that's where the next two off-seasons comes in for a guy like Amari Barno. Like, he can go from being a, a good college player like he is right now, or if he looks like Jalen Phillips in two years, if he's put on that weight, he can be a very, very high NFL pick, like I assume Jalen Phillips is is, is going to be. Um, and Barno is currently listed at two thirty five. I thought so. Yeah. Right, right. So, so no. you know, it's it's and and it's and it's possible to to gain that much weight. I mean, Patrick Jones is two sixty right now. Well, he was two thirty five coming out of high school, right? Uh, Chase Pine is their starting middle linebacker. He's from Williamsburg. He's Recruited actually, by Tech. Yep. Uh, yeah, he's not, actually not that good of a player. So don't. So nobody should. Get, be too worried about that but he was 220 coming out of high school and he's 250 now so yes it's certainly possible to put on this type of weight if you dedicate yourself to it and i swear man amari barno if he gets that big can be that good so who coaches the defensive ends is it, is it tap i assume it's tap so so if you're tap you go to one of your minions and you say i want you to sit down at the video editor and i want you to cut up a bunch of highlights of, of jalen phillips so you get yourself a good video and you go sit down with Amari Barno and you say, at the very end of the season, you run that film of Jalen Phillips and you say, this could be you in two years. Yeah, right. And I also put something in there. I'm like, here's an example of like all the really, really good 265, 270 pound defensive ends of the NFL. Yeah. And I run their highlight clips. And then I say, now here's videos of the really, really good 235 pound defensive ends in the NFL. <laughs> not of not, not one single clip would show up. Right. And I think that would get the message across. You show that little thing, you know how they, they show it's like the tape running out of the projector, you know, uh, and the screen goes white. Yeah. Use yeah. that little trick. Yeah. yeah. Coach Chris Coleman over here. Good uh, Lord. I, somebody I've, I've seen this a, man. I've seen videos. I, I don't know. If, I don't know if that's actually motivation or like demotivation. I, I don't know. I mean, listen, good lord, the way he works out now, he's coaching. I, I mean, good. That's a that's a tough uh, tough coach over there. All right, so that's Pittsburgh's defense. 
By the way, final numbers for those of you who like the pro football uh, focus rating system, they rank in the ACC. Overall defense, Pitt is number two. Rush defense, they're number one. Tackling, number three. Pass rush, number one. And coverage, number six. I guess the overall overall defense is Clemson, I guess? I I would have to assume. It doesn't say it I don't remember. I assume. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I can't think of anybody else. I know Miami's number one in tackling, but not Hmm. overall. Yeah, not overall. Oh, by the way, Virginia Tech overtook North Carolina in the defensive ratings. (laughs) Tech is now next to last, and UNC is last. Both, I think. I don't know if they've overtaken them in rushing defense either. The crazy thing about UNC and Virginia Tech, like their rush defensive ratings are so awful. Mm-hmm. And it all, not all of it, but a lot of it stems from that one game. That game. They both bludgeoned each other. Both defenses were so horrible, mm-hmm. even UNC's. And they both just destroyed each other's ratings, man. Yeah. Just so awful. It took a while to well, yeah, It's taken a while to get yeah, over it. Exactly. So you might be wondering at this point in the podcast right now, wow, this Pitt's defense is really good. How in the world – are they four are they and four? four and well, four. we'll tell you why in just a minute as we step aside for a break. Episode 152 of the Tech Sideline Podcast brought to you by the Fisher Law Firm. If you have received a DUI or other traffic-related offense, the road ahead can seem uncertain. Here at Fisher Law Firm, we have a team that is with you every step of the way. We have the experience that comes along with having defended more than 30,000 criminal and traffic cases statewide and the expertise to get the job done. Call anytime, day or evening, for your free consultation or a complimentary copy of my book. Don't forget to ask us about our free appeal guarantee. To learn how we can help solve your problem, check us out at FisherLegal.com. This is Jonathan Fisher, Class of 98. Let's go Hokies. Welcome back in episode 152 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. Evan Hughes with you alongside Chris Coleman and Will Stewart. We've got Malcolm Stewart behind the scenes. Tech Sideline Podcast presented also by the Southeast Regional Training Center. Each and every podcast we do, we get closer and closer to wrestling season. What a year it's going to be. Great recruiting class for Tony Roby. Makai Lewis is back yeah. this year for Virginia Tech. Um, so looking forward to wrestling season officially starting. If you want to help out, Virginia Tech Wrestling and help make them continue to help make them one of the best premier wrestling programs in the country. Go to southeastrtc.com. Do you know why Makai Lewis won a national championship a oh, couple God. years ago? Nutrition? He redshirted. Oh, you know, hey, he, re- he redshirted the year before, buddy. Hey, I don't know, Malcolm, if we can get a shot of this. Those watching, but Chris has some bright I red do. socks on. Do you want? To, can you can yeah. you stick your leg up just a little? Can we get a camera shot on that? Yeah, just, look at that uh, bright red. That, that's socks not a fashion on. statement. That just means I need to do laundry. I didn't have many other options. Can, can we add to Chris? Of course, red shirt will always kind of be his thing. But I also think red nutrition. Socks. And exercise also. We can add that to uh, Chris. Man. Like the, the core well, that's principles. The, that's the whole point of redshirting. So you can do all of that. Redshirting is not about football. It's about changing your body. It's about changing from a boy to a man. Exactly. So let's transition after talking a lot about how good the pit defense is. Talking about the pit offense. Chris, the reason pit is four and four, true and false, true or false, is because of their offense. Yeah, I, I would say that's accurate they're just they're not balanced enough and pick Kenny Pickett is good but but like he's only got one really good receiver I think uh Addison um Jordan Addison is a really good true freshman slot receiver 52 catches uh but the second leading receiver it really drops off uh <laughs> I guess I'll be the first to say his name on the podcast Shockey Jacques, Jacques Louis, Louis. That's such a great name. They've got <laughs> they've got a load of great names in here, and we'll try to. Can we take like two minutes to go through all? Yeah, their let's great do this later. Can we do it later or now? Yeah, or? We can do it later. How okay, about that? Okay, all right. But yeah, they're just not balanced enough offensively. And then when Kenny Pickett got hurt, 
and he missed two games, like they really, really fell off. They scored 19 and a loss against Miami, and then the next week they scored three against Notre Dame. So they, they, they just don't have the running game. Uh, and they don't have enough weapons on side of the ball uh, so, on that side of the ball, and they're not they're not any good at blocking. Like they're average <laughs> at pass blocking and bad at run blocking. So let, let's drill down into the running game a little bit. So Vincent Davis is the primary ball carrier, and he uh, you know he's he's bottom third of the ACC. His missed tackles forced per attempt. So the the amount of time he makes a tackler miss is .09, which is nine percent, which is basically one out of eleven. So only one out of every 11 times does he make a tackler miss. And think, think about Khalil Herbert when he had running room, you know, early in the year and how many guys he made miss. Um, so let's see. And as, as, a, uh, as an offense, their running game averages 0.9 yards before first contact. Now, to give you some perspective on that, Virginia Tech is three yards. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maybe a week or two ago, Virginia Tech was at three yards before first contact. I don't know where they are now. But this, whatever they are, still a really good number. One of yeah, the best when, numbers when Virginia the Tech was going great guns as a rushing attack, they were getting, on average, three yards before anybody even hit them. Pitt, it's .9. I think it's probably close to the worst in the ACC or the worst. Yep, and you know they, they have a running back who, oh, gosh, he is, number is he, 22? Vincent Davis, 5'8", 175. So this is not a traditional pit running back. Yeah, that's back. the guy I was just talking this about. This is a running back the size of who's maybe like seven pounds bigger than me and pretty much the same height. Yeah. This is not a big dude. This is a game where the tech defense ought to look at his height and weight on the depth chart and see that he only averages three yards per carry and they ought to be out for blood. Well, he's apparently easy to tackle. You know, you can have small guys that are hard to tackle. He's apparently easy to tackle. Right, and he doesn't have any help from his offensive linemen either because they just don't block very well. Let me read off some stats here. So, Davis, their starting running back, actually both running backs, last name Davis, Vincent Davis, their starting running back, 104 rushes on the year, 313 yards, three yards per carry, four touchdowns. Now, the second leading uh, rusher, for Pittsburgh has 48 carries in terms of carries. So you go from 104 to 48 carries. That seems about right for a starter to a backup. And the second leading rusher is Kenny Pickett Kenny in Pickett. terms of carries, not yards. Right, right, right. But carries. Kenny Pickett, 48 carries on the year and six touchdowns on the ground. That hmm. includes – well, includes I, think, I think their quarterbacks have been sacked 16 times, but he, was, he missed a couple games, so – Whoever their backup is, I'm sure that a few of those sacks were from him. Pickett, like I don't, he's so valuable to the passing game that I doubt very seriously they they run a lot of design runs with him because they they want to keep him as healthy as possible. But he's a very effective scrambler, and I think the first time I ever saw him play was in 2017 in Lane Stadium, mm-hmm. and he was the backup. And remember, we Tech knocked the starter out of the game, and he came in. And I thought, and, man, that guy's pretty and, good. And I, I remember watching him evade a rush one time in that game, and I was like. Whoa, he's a lot more mobile than the guy he replaced. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, I remember I watching him as a, a, I don't know, was he a true freshman? He was a true freshman. And I remember thinking, that guy's pretty good. Well, he was talented, and but you know he didn't play great as a sophomore. And then he's, he took a step forward last year, yeah. and he's taken another step forward this year. I don't. Pro- I probably don't give him enough credit as I should, but like he doesn't. He doesn't have the supporting cast. Yeah. yeah. So let's first of all the uh, the headline about the offense in Chris's game preview is the Kenny Pickett show, and rightfully so. We mm-hmm. talked about how he gets it done on the ground. 
I don't think Tech fans necessarily realize how good he is, Will. Because think about it. Yeah, I think 2017, so. he comes in off the bench, right? And he has a couple of flashes. Next year, Pitt runs all over Virginia Tech. <laughs> it wasn't about Kenny Pickett. They ran for like an insane <laughs> yeah, amount yeah. of yards, yeah. right? And that blowout of Heinz Field. And then last year, it was pouring down rain, and he struggled through the rain. So I think t- your average Tech fan probably thinks, well, ah, this guy is average. But as Chris points out in his game preview, this is a he is now considered a bona fide NFL prospect who will be selected next spring. He's completing 62% of his passage, 1,600 yards, eight touchdowns, three picks. Do you think he's flying under the radar? Like, do you think that people don't appreciate him enough? I think so. Uh, I, I agree with everything you said, and there's really not much I can add to it. I mean, we just had the discussion about the first time we saw him in 2017. But it occurred to me as you're reading all that off, that ought to put the fear of God into Pittsburgh fans because he's all they've got on offense, and he's about to exit stage left at the end of the year. So they, they still have that, that great defensive tradition going in Pittsburgh, but I don't know what they're going to do offensively after this season, and it would not surprise me at all to see Pitt finish around 500 this year, tank next year, and Narduzzi to be let go. God, I get you can kind of see it coming. God, I, don't, I don't know how good they're – I looked at their depth chart, and I think both their backups this year are redshirt freshmen. Yeah. So one of those guys needs to develop, or you got to hit the portal and try to get one. Yeah. Or you got to hope like heck your offensive line's a lot better and your running game's better. It's, it's looking because, dicey. It's looking dicey if, for them. If their running game remains the same and their next quarterback isn't on Pickett's level, then they're going to really struggle to score. And they can't keep expecting to have a top ten defense every single year. Right. Right. Like a lot of these dudes. I mean, obviously a couple of them have already opted out, but these dudes that are a lot of these dudes that are left, like Patrick. The defensive ends are both seniors. Weaver, they're both they're both seniors. Yeah. Uh, you know, a couple of the a couple of the linebackers are seniors. Uh, their free safety is a senior. One of their corners is a senior. So, yeah. Uh, the interesting times in Pittsburgh. Yeah, sure. I, I would not surprise me a year plus from now if you saw some turnover. It, it's 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 got to be frustrating if you're a Pitt fan because it, it's always hard to have a complete team. Yeah, and I think all fan bases figure this out at some point. Like Pitt has had a dominant running game in the past, but they didn't have a quarterback, and or and even a lot of years their defense wasn't as good as as this one. Now they've got the quarterback. Now they've got the defense. But now their offensive line stinks and they don't have any good running backs, yeah. right? What if they had James Conner right now, uh. right? I mean, they'd be a really, really hard team to beat if oh, they I were remember, balanced I remember in that 2018 game, they had two or three running backs that were better than anything. Oh, Tech yeah, absolutely. And that wasn't James Conner. I think James Conner's last year was 2017. Yeah, exactly. Those are a yeah. couple of really good running backs in 18. Uh, yeah, I can't remember point. their names, but but I was like, man, I'd love to have both so, those guys. A couple quick numbers on Pickett real quick, and then we'll wrap things up on the offense. Um he is 19 of 44 for 708 yards, three touchdowns, and no picks when throwing the deep ball. So he does like to take shots downfield. And then, Chris, I found this really interesting, that Pitt uses play action just 11.5% of the time, second lowest that's in the ACC. There's no point because they can't run. Because nobody's going to pay any well, attention like, to the play that, action. That's probably the, the thing that annoys me the most is when I see a team that can't run the football use play action, or if it's third and long and somebody uses play action. Uh, you know, it's just like, all right, if the defense actually falls for that, then they just they deserve to Then the beat, linebackers right? don't move because yeah. they're not even paying attention. <laughs> well, who wrote the, uh, who wrote this, by the way? I forget, the board poster? Uh, it's a message board poster, AIS Hokey 05. It's interesting. He uh, 
Does he work for he PFF? He works for PFF. He works for PFF, and he only posts once a week, and it's to give these detailed. <laughs> true. And, and so we have a certain way that we utilize PFF. We look at snap counts and grades, grades in the run game, grades in the pass game. He's got a, a different way of looking at it that I can't quite describe that kind of adds a lot to the discussion. Well, I really appreciate this poster who writes a, I mean, a lengthy review that we use, but I appreciate his first sentence in this, and I'll read this. He says, quote, I'm pretty sure Kenny Pickett took over after Dan Marino at Pitt, so this is about his 40th year at quarterback <laughs> for the Panthers, close yep. quote. So. I, I, used to, I used to feel that way. But who was that quarterback they had in the early 2000s? Rutherford? Rod Rutherford. Really? Did you think Rutherford was there? It a seemed long like time? he was there for a long time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, before we get to predictions, by the way, uh, Chris, uh, to your request, would you like to go over some of the fun names oh, sure. on this pit roster and how to pronounce? That. John Laser's going to have a fun time this weekend. I mean, of also, course. So let me tell a story. Um, so I'm the one who puts together these roster cards, and I have to, I have to cut and paste from the team's official roster into a word document. And there is, a, there is a feature that a lot of websites have on it where if a player's name is foreign or difficult, there's a little thing you can click where they will play some audio of how to pronounce the player's name. So when I cut and paste this stuff into the Word document, somehow that comes with it. And so I'm very, I'm acutely aware of these things. And 13 of the pit players have that little feature next to their name on the pit roster. And I found it interesting that Shockey Jacques Louis is not one of those players. Because he is in the pronunciation guide. Right. On the, in, in their media guide, but not in their audio. It, it's very it's very odd. Because you so. would just sit there and click that button all day long. Shockey Jacques Louis, Shockey Jacques Louis. <laughs> They've got Bengali Camara, who is only a true freshman. Say that again, Bengali Camara. Bengali Kamara, only a true freshman linebacker, but with a name like that. Bengali Kamara. Of course, he'll be a starter one day. You've got Judson Talendier, probably a (laughs) walk-on, but nice name nonetheless. Josh Junko, or Junko. Uh, Y'all going to have to do the honors of this one. Servosia. Servosia Dennis. So so it's actually, I look at this, Servosia. Servosia. Dennis. And he will play the linebacker. So it's like he's a knight, like Sir Lancelot or something. (laughs) That's his name, Servosia. I remember GW basketball had a player back in the A-10 days. Valiant. Was Sir Valiant Brown. And that was his first name. It was was all his his first name was Sir Valiant. Oh, my gosh. So, so how about here's a name that's not difficult to pronounce, but it's cool Hudson Primus. Ah, that's a good one. Sounds sounds like a. uh, Uh, This is maybe my favorite. Bam Brema. B A M is his first name. Bam. Bam Brema. And he's a defensive lineman, of course. That's a a good defensive lineman's name. Bam. Here's number 87 defensive lineman. Habukuk Baldonado. Yep. I love it. That's a great one. Their punter, Kirk Christodolu. Straight from Greece, apparently. Gotta be Greek. Gotta be Greek. Cal Adominus, I think, also from Greece, probably. And he's the long snapper. So, like, two Greek long snappers? Who would have thought it? Um, but yeah, this is the alt, and you don't even list all their players. You have to delete a certain amount to make sure it That's fits right. on here. There so may have been more. There fun could names. be even more funny, great names but, in here. But love so. it. It's just, uh, it's just a lot of fun to to see. The, the, this names. is almost like uh, the ESPN skit with all the all the names, oh, like yeah, uh, the, the P- cartoon key, plurals, Key and Peel, right? Skit. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I was reading on the message boards a couple of weeks ago, and uh, 
Somebody was posting, I was like, gosh, I wonder if we could ever get Will and Chris to disagree on their picks. They're all always so similar to each other. Oh, and the uh, last time we I, disagreed on a pick was the Duke game last year, maybe. So uh, we may have uh, disagreed on one earlier this year. I thought it was you, North Carolina, maybe. Usually when we disagree, okay. it's because I'm picking with my heart and picking Tech to win, and he is being more realistic and picking Tech Ooh. to lose. Was, now, now, when yeah. that happens, he's right two-thirds of the time, and I'm only right one-third of the time. Well, I will no start. No emotions, buddy. So here, so here we go. Will took one team. Chris took the other. So for those that wanted to see a little bit of differences in the game pre, uh, pre, uh, predictions, Chris Coleman, who'd you pick to win, and what was your final score? I picked Tech to win 27-24. to 24. Uh, When you look at Pitt when they've got Kenny Pickett, like their two losses are really, mm-hmm. really close. One-point losses each. And Virginia Tech has four losses by a combined, I think, 22 points or something like that. So both of these teams, they just have a habit of losing really, really close games. Mm-hmm. So it's like, and I don't see either team, like I don't think Pitt can blow out Virginia Tech unless Virginia Tech just turns it over a bunch and vice versa. Unless Pitt turns it over a bunch, I don't think Virginia Tech can blow out Pitt. So I see this game, it's going to be close in the fourth quarter in my opinion. So which one of these teams that has made a habit of losing close games is going to be able to win a close mm. game? And uh, I think I think Tech is due more more so than Pitts uh, there. So you know I'm a big law of averages guy. Yeah. And uh, so just I just th- don't say it about the UVA game. This right. <laughs> <laughs> so I th- I think the law of average favors Tech to win a close game this weekend. It's not going to be high scoring, I don't think. But uh, that's what I'm picking: 27-24 Tech and. You know, we also we don't know anything about Pitt's COVID situation. Look, th- their game against Georgia Tech got canceled this past weekend because of COVID. Um, they couldn't start practicing until Tuesday, two days ago, because of COVID. We don't know who was sick last week. We don't know who will be out this week. Uh, we, there's so much about Pitt we don't know. I mean, for all I know, we sit here and talk about how good Rashad Weaver is. For all I know, he's going to be out this weekend. We, we don't know any of that. Right. Right. So there's so much unknown about this game, but you know, just I, I don't know. I'm just I'm I'm going to go ahead and pick Tech. Maybe I shouldn't because you know well, I don't I, I don't think Mitchell's going to play, and who knows how how Herbert's going to play. But you know, I think Tech is due to win a close. That's a good one. point. That's something we did not talk about earlier because they're playing the game. I want to focus on the X's and O's, but. Uh, Pittsburgh, again, this game wasn't, it felt like it was almost in jeopardy earlier in the week because right. they missed last week. And so they are playing. And like Chris said, they did have limited practice. Will, you are going with the Pitt Panthers. Tell me why. I am. Uh, well, so we've, we've uh, gone over my, my reasoning. First of all, we went over the defense. And, and I just, I really don't like this matchup for the Virginia Tech offense. Uh, and then you add in the fact that Tech has won in five in their last six trips up there since 2001. That includes the 2001 game since then. And the aggregate score on that was a 213 to 129. So uh, 21 to 13. Uh, I picked Pittsburgh 23 to 17. Um, lowest scoring pick, I think, all year. And that's just kind of the way I see it going. Um, I'll be very surprised if uh, – if, if a lot of points are scored. So, so far we have close to 500 votes in the prediction poll that we put in our preview. And uh, let's see, 41% of Tech fans are picking Tech to win and 58, that doesn't quite add up to 100, 58, <laughs> 58% are picking Pitt to win. No kidding. Now, last week, um, 
35% of tech fans picked tech to win. Not not many. The other 65% picked Miami. I'm actually win. surprised it was 35. It was that high. I don't know. Um, as we well, talked I mean, about, you know, it's you know, yeah. it's Miami. Who who the heck knows? Who's who's who gonna knows who's going to show up? Right. So uh, interesting. So that's my take anyway. Pittsburgh 23, yeah. Virginia Tech 17. No, what, he's right about the matchup. Like. Uh, yeah. What concerns me is, you know, Tech's receivers aren't the biggest, strongest guys in the world, and they can struggle against tight physical press coverage yeah. at the line of scrimmage. Um, so that that that's certainly a concern that if Virginia Tech drops back to pass in a traditional manner, that those guys aren't going to be able to beat press coverage, and then Hooker's going to see that they're not open, and then that eternal clock in his head, which isn't very good. Anyway, it just malfunctions, and he takes a bunch of sacks and everything like that. And that's why I think it's imperative that Virginia Tech get a lead, and that way they can employ the good old smoke and mirrors offense that torched Pitt last week. So, you know, this game, it's going to be decided in the fourth quarter, I think, but the trajectory of the game, you know, real early, you know, is Tech going to be playing with a lead or are they going to be playing from behind? That's yeah, so make a big last year we were talking about that fumble return for a touchdown. If you watch the, if you watch the video intro to the podcast, one yeah. of the pictures that rolls through is actually from that play. It's it's Narell Pollard in the end zone holding the ball up and, and his teammates are running after him to celebrate with him. Um, I, I wonder if Cornelson will put in a one-read-and-go offense for this. One, one quick read-and-go. Right. Mm. Um, yeah. Well, you know, a history uh, lesson, I'm pretty sure you guys know this, but you know what happens in the Senate if there's a tie? What happens? Uh, Evan, Evan Hughes gets to decide. The vice president. The vice, pay, president. Pay, yeah. gets the vice, pre- the vice oh. president is officially president of the Senate, right? And yes, but, I guess it's technically. And historically, he never votes unless it's a it's tie. It's a tie. Right. So uh, I never really make predictions. But since we have a tie, I'll go ahead and jump in. I'm going 31-28 Pitt. I think that there's going to be enough points. I, I, I going back to the. I think the stat out of everything we talked about, how efficient Pickett has been passing on deep balls this year, mm-hmm. and so I think that Virginia Tech secondary is going to have to be big. If the I, I do want to say game. that don't underestimate. Uh, you got Shaki Jack Louis. You got Addison in the slot, and then who's their third receiver? Uh, I was just looking at the roster. Jared card. Wayne. Did you say Addison? Uh, yeah, I mentioned Addison. Jared Wayne is their third receiver. Six three one ninety five sophomore. But there's also another name, a Taysir Mack. Uh, I don't know if Mack is playing or not, uh, but he, but I remember him from the past. So one one of the things I want to look up is the betting line is the Hokies are favored by three and a half. Mm. Um, what I want to look up though, and I just clicked it, so we'll see what it is. What is the over under? So you may fill some time, Evan. While so I like, look that up. so Tech was favored what by two and a half by Miami, and they lost by one. Mm-hmm. So that oh, was a so that some, was a three and a half point difference. And Tech is favored by what this week? Two and a half. Two and a half. So they were favored by two and a half last week too. Right? Three and a half this week. Three sorry. and a half. so so if you use the same math, they'll tie this week, and there's no such thing. So as a somebody tie. somebody said on our boards that in the last eleven games where the spread has been three points or less. Or in that area, Tech is one in ten against the spread, or might be one in ten overall. So typically, when the game is close, Tech loses. I think is the point this poster was making. Or do law there of averages? Law of averages. There you go. <laughs> okay. Well, it is time to jump over to our questions that have been asked on YouTube. I want to thank everybody for uh, chiming in. Uh, Justin Thomas writes, it's pretty telling how quiet it is in the chat here today versus the loss on Monday. So not as many uh, 
not as many questions, but a couple of really good ones. So let me get into it. So the over-under on this game is 55 points, mm. which is like 28 to 28. So you're right around it. That's about yeah. – yeah. yeah. I think that's about right at 55. Um, <laughs> let's see. Our couple of uh, questions. Dana Decker, will Pitt have fans in the stands? It's a great question, Dana. I have no idea. No. Uh, Do they uh, ever have fans in the stands? Ha, 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 ha. Well, see, that's but, um, the thing. You're talking about how poorly Tech plays up there, and it's got nothing to do with the fans. It's just got to do it. They just play. Poorly. At least it's not going to be cold this time. I think so, the high is like fifty-six. I mean, it's I, not going to be warm, but it's not like your normal twenty-five degree tech pit game. So I think the answer to the question is no. Um, I, I think that pit, uh, that the state of Pennsylvania is being as restricted, pretty much. Oh, actually, I think they just passed a law, and this is designed for saw this on the board this for morning, high school for high school game where like players have to wear a mask during the game, and it's during dis- the game, right? Athletes have to be masked up while they're competing. Right. So the the Steelers have an exemption, and and I believe I read on the boards that Pitt has an exemption also. Right. Well, well, the the Steelers and the Eagles, the two NFL teams, have an exemption. Right. And I I think the Panthers do also. They probably do, yeah. yeah. But but I think we can use that to safely say that, no, there's not going to be any fans in the stadium. I, I don't know what, but no, don't look for fans. Well, I watched the Penn State game a couple of weeks ago, and there was nobody in their stands. And those are a lot of stands, buddy. Yeah. Oh, we do have a prediction here. Buck Hunter writes 45-23 Hokies. I'll take it. So there's just <laughs> a, uh, a prediction. Um, let's see here. B.E. writes, do you have anything besides the fact that the defense should get better with more practice in the new system that makes you excited for 2021 or 2022? What well, depends on what happens in the offseason, honestly. Um, I and some of Tech's issues is they just don't announce very much stuff. Um, we know there will be an influx in money at some point from the football program enhance football enhancement fund, which mm-hmm. is which is the, yeah, the, which is what's being called, which is the title of the program that we've talked about, where they're going for the big donors to donate. Twelve and a half. Twelve and a half million, and which will be matched by the university and blah, blah, blah. So that's going to provide more money for more staff and things like that. So to me is – and that will give Justin Fuente more options, and and people criticize him for coaching staff decisions. Well, he has a certain budget, right? And I was reading that Florida State article on ESPN today, and Jimbo Fisher wanted to change offensive coordinators at one point, and Florida State would not improve funds to give him the money to go out and get a good offensive coordinator, right? Like, the guys he wanted to go out and hire, he was not allowed to hire them by Florida State because they wouldn't approve the the salaries those guys wanted. So don't just assume that Justin Fuente, if he wanted to go out there with the salaries that have been given him in the past from Virginia Tech, that he could just go out and hire – a better offensive coordinator than Brad Cornelson or a better whatever coach than, than whoever you don't like on the tech staff. Mm-hmm. Because that's not uh, – Brad Cornelson's $475,000, and in my opinion, I don't I don't know that for, for that much money, if you go out on the open market, you're going to get a better offensive coordinator than Brad Cornelson. In fact, I don't think you are. So if – so to me, like – how is this money going to be used? What new positions is it going to create in, within the athletic department, within the football program? Will Fuente use some of it to reshuffle his staff or anything like that? So to me, I don't know what to be excited about in the offseason because I want to see 
if there are any changes and, and things like that. I, so so I, I interpret it to be a, a question really about players. Who's in the pipeline? Uh, defensive tackle is very worrisome. I like what they're doing at defensive end. If, if Tisdale dedicates himself to the weight room mm-hmm. and Dean Ferguson develops as a Mike, you know, I, I think that uh, that's encouraging. Uh, I think they're fairly solid at corner and defensive back. Dorian uh, Strong, looking yeah, forward yeah, to seeing his strong. development. Yeah. Um, over on the offensive side of the ball, you got to keep Vance Vice, um, and and the offensive line is looking encouraging. Um, I don't I don't know about wide receiver. You got to keep Payu healthy and get him on the field. And those other, we got Tech has three four star freshman receivers in this program that were all hurt this year. Daryl Simmons. Daryl Simmons and Elijah Bullock only recently got cleared after tearing his ACL last year. Yeah, yeah. So these guys, like Bullock, like tore his ACL and his meniscus right before the Duke game last mm. year. And, you know, I knew he had gotten hurt, but I didn't know what the injury was. And actually his dad came in and in a comment section on our article last week and said, here's Flat the deal, it, yeah. right? Uh, so, yeah, torn ACL, torn meniscus. He didn't recently get cleared until just a couple of weeks ago to even return to football activities. So maybe that could have, uh, you know, maybe he would have been cleared earlier. I don't know what kind of rehab he got when, like, doctor's offices and stuff were closed during COVID, right? Um, So that's three guys that were rated not across the board four stars per se, but at least one service had all of those guys as a four-star recruit that have just been unavailable this yeah. year. So, mm-hmm. what when you when you say oh the receivers haven't developed or anything like that, like I don't know if they would have or not. It sounds like Payute was developing until right. he got hurt, right? Yeah. So, um, hopefully, we answered the question. Yep. Appreciate the question. Here is the final one of the day from Shelton Moss. He writes, "Hey Chris, the other day you criticized the coaching staff for not developing Hooker enough. Mm-hmm. How much of that do you think?" has more to do with Hendon's limited talent as a passer rather than coaching. Example, Kelly Bryant at Clemson never developed as a passer, but mm-hmm. Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence were great from day one. I just think it's more about recruiting than development. Yeah, you, you could could be right. And it, it depends on your background to a certain extent, too, of how developable you are. Like, uh, So you kind of worry, like, it depends on where you, what level you start at, right? Like Trevor Lawrence was throwing the ball probably – three or four hundred times a year in high school, right? And Quincy Patterson was throwing the ball like 80, right? 80 times, I think, as a something senior. Something like 80, Or, or yeah. something like that. So Trevor Lawrence is starting here, and Quincy Patterson's starting here. Uh, I, and I'd have to go back and look at Hooker's stats to figure out where he, he falls into that. So some of it is, is like the type of player that you target and – where he's starting from now that said like josh jackson was pretty darn advanced for for a freshman from a mental standpoint uh statistically he was better as a sophomore before he got hurt but like he lit up like odu which was the worst defense in the country and that helped the stats out quite a bit Mm um i i I didn't see that he was a better quarterback you don't I didn't know that he wasn't either because he got hurt, so you can't really judge. Um, but, you know, I, I just I just think where Ryan Willis, the point he, he ended the 2018 season, and he wasn't as good at the start as next year, injury or not, um, 
I, I just didn't see it from him. Yes, um, and in, in independent of his injury, you can talk about some of his decision making, including the decision making that wound up him in him being pulled from right. I believe the North Carolina game right. and basically never playing again. Yeah, um, and maybe that was a Willis thing. Maybe it wasn't, but no, it is. It's a risk to like if if I were the head coach of the Hokies, I. We'll see how the rest of the season goes. You know, maybe I would make that move. Maybe I try to get some better quarterback development in because it's not just about him and Hooker, right? It's about the other quarterbacks too. It's about Quincy Patterson. But you also run the risk. Like, whenever you change coaches, all you're doing is is exchanging one set of strengths and weaknesses for another set of strengths and weaknesses. And whether that ultimately turns out to be a good hire depends on timing, and what you need at the time and things like that. Fit. Like there, there's chemistry. Well, look, man, this co- coaching profession these days is much different than it used to be. Uh, I think because of the high salaries and coaches, coaches in general, I think it's attracting smarter, more high IQ people that are more qualified for the jobs. And it's pushing the people that maybe would have been successful in coaching 30 or 40 years ago, pushing them down the ladder. So I don't think there's, I don't think there's really any bad coaches at this level these days. It's all about timing and fit and and things like that and what you need right now. I do think that what Tech needs right now is like a, sh- a surefire or as surefire as you can get at this level, a surefire quarterback developer. But I also acknowledge that if that came in and didn't work and like Hendon Hooker is as Shelton said, if that's just who he is, yeah. then that what if that next coordinator – the guy who is now also the quarterbacks coach, what if he is just not as good as Cornelson is? It like Cornelson's good at designing an offense around he can change that offense to the quarterback's strengths and weaknesses. Like in the middle of the season, like he did it from Willis to Hooker last year, and that's impressive. And he's really good at the smoke and mirror stuff. So if that didn't work, it could backfire, right? Uh, like if Hooker didn't make those strides as a passer, it could backfire in terms of play calling and, and how the offense is structured and everything. Cough, like Gary that. Tranquil. Oh, cough. Right, exactly. You could actually get a lot worse. Could um, actually get a lot worse. And, and so the other thing that's hidden that we can't see is how dedicated is the player. I don't know how dedicated Hendon Hooker is. You know, I know everybody says nice things about him. I like his personality. I like his demeanor. Um, but again, when nobody's looking and nobody's reporting and nobody's taking pictures and showing video, how hard does he work? You know, he's a redshirt junior now. Let's assume he comes back and next year is his last year. That's up for grabs. He can do whatever he wants. Um, a lot of guys will, will make that jump from redshirt junior to redshirt senior year and get a lot better. So that's the thing we don't know is how hard are all these guys working? Some of them work harder than others. And I think Hendon works hard, uh, now, what you wonder is, like, with his background in football as a quarterback, you can work as hard as you want, but but if you don't have a good idea of what you're working on, it's not right. going to matter, right? Like, if I went in the weight room and, you know, tried to get better at squats, but I was using horrible technique, I'm just more likely to throw my back out than I am get, get better at yeah, squats, so, right? Yeah, so you might hear a story about how he's out throwing, <laughs> throwing with the receivers all summer long. Well, is he just throwing the football? Right. That that doesn't necessarily doesn't help you too much. I mean, right. Because, I mean, that there's no defense out there. Like, Hendon Hooker can throw the football. Like, yeah. His, yeah, like yeah. him and Trey Turner, their timing together is fine and everything like that. It, it's a matter of how quickly he can go through progressions and, and read the defense and things like that. And that's not something you can simulate of him going in the backyard 
and throwing the ball around with Hendon Hooker, or excuse me, with Trey Turner, Trey Turner in the summer. That's right? That's something you need a whole defense on the field, and you need a coach on the field with him teaching him. You need to watch film right. later. Yeah. Right, right. So we've gone on it, so let's yeah. – let's, Sorry, I think we answered. That's a that's a good question. If we if it causes us to talk that much, that's a good question. Great question and a great place to end it. Last question, Chris Coleman. Uh, Thanksgiving's going up next week. So, uh, what does TechSideline.com's content plan look like over the next week or so? <laughs> well, for this week, it's it's normal. Everything's going. But well, we only normal. got one day left in right. this week. Yeah. Uh, honestly, I have not written anything down yet over there on my day planner. <laughs> there will be a basketball preview at some point. Yeah. I, mean, I just they, don't they, know what they, day. I know the first first game is Wednesday. Next Wednesday, yeah. Right. Um, so we'll have a bye week in football. You know, I I, I'll, I could push the, uh, like, inside the numbers back to the next week and do a basketball preview instead. That's true. Or, or something like that. So a basketball preview will get done at some point. So basically – the rest of this week will be normal. There will be a basketball preview early next week, Monday or Tuesday, probably Tuesday, because you'll have Monday thoughts on Monday. Right, right. And so I'll do a basketball preview for Tuesday. Um, we'll have a basketball game Wednesday night. That's right. Uh, I won't preview the actual game, but then Thursday's Thanksgiving, and I'll do a QA and a on Friday. I always do. Yeah, I, Chris I, usually I, yeah. works over Thanksgiving. Yeah, it's not a big deal. <clears throat> there you have it. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody who's uh, listening and watching. And that's right, Hokey Hoops open up Wednesday at Castle Coliseum against the Radford Highlanders, a little New River Valley action to tip yeah, off and the in, season. And in case you missed it, uh, the capacity for uh, venues in the state of Virginia has been dropped from 1,000 to 250. Right, so, so it's, it's going to be players and uh, – or excuse me, players' family for basketball games. That's it. And honestly, from what I understand, that's what Tech was going to do anyway because it would have looked bad to let – a thousand people in Cal- Castle Coliseum, and also a thousand people in Lane Stadium. Right? Yeah, it doesn't well, that, make any sense for the the number to be the exact same. Don't get me same. started. Right. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> that'll wrap things up. Episode one hundred and fifty-two of the Tech Sideline Podcast. Thanks so much to everybody for chiming in with the great questions. Watching live on YouTube. If you're still watching, we've got what seven likes right now. Let's see if we can get that up to ten right now. Just hit the like button, everybody, uh, and uh, be sure to hit subscribe as well, gentlemen. Any closing thoughts? Nothing. Let's rock and roll. All right. That'll do it for us. For our managing editor, Chris Coleman, our founder and general manager, Will Stewart, the best podcast producer in the land, Malcolm Stewart. I'm your podcast host, Evan Hughes. Thanks so long. Thanks so much for watching and listening to episode 152 of the Tech Sideline podcast presented by the Fisher Law Firm. Have a great rest of your week and enjoy the game on Saturday.